The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor, Quick Creek, and LiftMaster. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Are you smack dab in the middle of some ho-ho home improvements? I bet you are. This is the very busy week of prep before the holidays get here and everybody starts to knock on your door and visit and bring cakes and cookies. Well, that part's okay, but the getting ready, that's the tough part. We can help you with that if it's a home improvement or home decor project, but help yourself first. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's program, something that everyone has an opinion on, Leslie, and they're usually not the same. We're talking about paint colors. Oh, no one agrees ever, right? It turns out that paint manufacturers can't much agree either because a bunch of them have now come out with their own picks for quote-unquote color of the year. We're going to tell you where the trends seem to be just ahead. And building a new walkway or patio with pavers seems like a pretty simple do-it-yourself project, and it is. But it's also easy to skip the most important steps that are needed to make sure that it lasts and not sink or settle or let all the weeds grow through. We're going to share the step-by-step because it's important. And first impressions have the longest impact, so we're going to have some tips on how you can put your decorating energy into the first thing your guests see, your front door. From classic to contemporary, we're going to help make yours stand out. Plus, from QuickCrete, we're giving away the Walkmaker, a kit worth $80 that makes it really easy to build a beautiful cobblestone walkway. I bet you could get it done before the first set of relatives shows up, too. <laughs> Give us a call <laughs> really right now. Could. The number is one 888 888-666-3974. Robert in Virginia is on the line with a question about a heat pump. What can we do for you? I just bought a new house, and uh, in the house, I was told that I have a new heat pump and a new gas furnace. And I'm just wondering, how does that work? I live in Hopewell, Virginia, which is just uh, south of Richmond. You know what's weird about that is normally you would have one or the other as your heating system. If you have a gas furnace, Uh then you have gas-forced air heat. If you have a heat pump, then you usually don't have gas because it's basically electric heat. So are there two, two zones and one's a heat pump and one's gas or what? Do you know? It's the exact same zone. I was told, you know, in the in the paperwork, uh, you know, when I was buying it, they said, you know, a new heat pump and a new uh, a new gas furnace. That's really odd. Okay, so when you go to your gas furnace, right? Do you hear the flames burning there? What What are you seeing? It's actually all enclosed. So I really, uh, uh, it hasn't gotten this so cold yet that I've heard any, any, any flames burning. You know what? You need to call an HVAC contractor and get a preseason checkup, find out what you got there, because it doesn't make sense. Okay. I think somebody made a mistake. If, you know, if, okay. you're, if you're in Southern Virginia, you may very well have a heat pump. It'd be uh-huh. better if you had a gas furnace. But if you have a heat pump, let me just give you a tip on how to operate this, especially if you come from a, a house that had gas before. You want to make sure that you set the thermostat and kind of forget it. If you get in the habit of bouncing it up and down, like turning it down at night and up in the morning without a specialized Uh heat pump thermostat, what you'll do is you'll overcome the heat pump and you'll force the electric furnace, which is a backup system that's always built into a heat pump, to come on. That's going to cost more money for you to run. 
So okay. you have to get a special type of setback thermoset for heat pumps that moves it very slowly because the way a heat pump works is if you set the temperature at, say, 70 and it falls to 69 in the house, the heat pump's going to come on. If it falls to 68, heat pump's still coming on. If it hits 67 or 66, the heat pump basically says, hey, I can't keep up with this brings on the backup resistance heat, which costs two or three times as much to operate and brings the house back yeah. up the temperature. So, uh, you know, and you'll see that if you have a heat pump thermostat, because it usually says auxiliary heat or emergency heat. There's usually a light that comes on. But if you have the right kind okay. of setback thermostat, it'll move it so slowly that that won't happen. and It'll maintain the comfort and save you some money. You also might find that they're not quite as comfortable as gas furnaces because the temperature of the air that comes out is, uh, you know, like 110-ish degrees instead of like 125 or 30 or 140 degrees. So it's just that you got to get used to it. But find out what you got. You definitely should get it serviced before it gets colder because that's, you don't want to, you don't want to get surprised, you know, the first time it drops near freezing for you, by you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's brand new. They, but get it serviced anyway. That way I find out what I have. Or find okay. out who's, who put it in, whether it's warranted. You know, I mean, you need to figure out what you got because what you told me doesn't make sense. I mean, you either have gas or not. What, what do you cook with in the house? You cook with electric or gas? Electric. Uh, but I do have a gas water heater. Is it natural gas or propane? Natural gas, and it's also going uh, to the uh, furnace. Well, maybe you do have a gas furnace. You know, maybe maybe the heat pump is the wrong part of the description. Maybe you just have a standard central air conditioner. Yeah, you need to figure out what you got. I tell you what, if okay. you want to take some, listen, if you want to take some pictures of this and send it to us, you know, you could you could actually post it to the community page at moneypit.com. And we'll okay. take a look at it and just say you're trying to figure this out and, you know, take, take a picture or two of it. And if you can, if you, if there's an access panel, you can take off and take a picture of what's mm-hmm. behind it. Just make sure you can put it back together. All right. <laughs> we'll tell all you, right. we'll tell you what you got. I, I appreciate it. All, all right. right. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Bye bye. Debbie in Illinois is on the line and has a question about a slate roof. What can we do for you? I live in a very old house from the 1880s. Okay. The roof is all slate leaking and three or four places. Not terrible, but, you know, you could see it on the walls, and the walls are... Nowadays, people don't do slate anymore. You need to find yourself a slater. That's what they used to call those guys, slaters. What color is your slate tile? Grayish or brownish? Reddish. Reddish. Oh, good. That's Vermont slate. That's a really good roof. That lasts way over 100 years. And they're so pretty. They're really pretty, yeah. So it's definitely worth fixing whatever's causing the leaks. Your problem isn't that you got a slate roof. It's just that you need some some slate repair or slate maintenance. Right. You need to find somebody yeah. that knows how to do that. So I'll tell you where I would start. I would start on HomeAdvisor.com. Uh, there you can uh, read reviews uh, and perhaps find somebody that's got that experience. There's got to be some folks out there uh, that know how to do slate repair. What you want to be cautious against, though, is any roofer that maybe thinks they know how to do slate repair and, and doesn't, because you don't want a guy up there to go up on your roof and break slate tile uh, or maybe try to use you know some sort of a sealant to try to fix a leak where it really should be replacing, flashing, or rebuilding it. And the other idea I have for you is if you can find out um, a building center in your area that sells the slate, I bet you they're going to know who's doing the work because they're going to be selling the slate to them all the time. The other thing, Debbie, is if you live in an incorporated village or your town, contact the building department and find out who applies for some sort of permits involving roofing and slate roofing. And they might be able to recommend a few people as well. You're going to have to work a little bit hard to find to find somebody, Debbie, but it's definitely worth preserving that roof. You know, there's two different types of slate. There's a gray slate called banger slate, and then the kind with the brownish tans is called Vermont slate, and it's a much better quality slate. So, you know, that roof can last 100, 150 years or more. 
Right. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You know what I hate about um, Leslie, folks that have rooms yeah. like that is, is sometimes it's just so hard to find people that they give up and they end up just having it all torn off and putting on a asphalt shingle roof, which is just oh, such a sin when you have such a beautiful You know, it's funny. Roof. We grew up in a Tudor home that had a slate roof. And I remember, you know, this has got to be in the 80s. There was some issues with the roofing. My parents got some consultants over, you know, a couple of roofers to give them their ideas on the cost of the repairs. And all of the slate repairs, those, you know, proposals were well, thousands upon thousands of dollars. And then my dad opens one and say it was, you know, whatever the price was at that point, say it was a thousand bucks. And my dad's like, why is this one so low? And I remember it said, oh, we're going to get rid of the slate and put on an asphalt shingle roof. <laughs> they were like, no, but it's funny, you know, that seems to be a solution. You are listening to The Money Pit presented by HomeAdvisor.com, where you can find top rated home pros you can trust. Give us a call with your question at 888-MONEY-PIT or post it to the community section at moneypit.com. Just ahead, do you have a favorite paint color? Well, find out if you're trendy or not when we reveal the 2018 colors of the year. Yes, there's actually more than one, and we'll share those tips next. Live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone. Give us a call right now with your how-to dilemma, perhaps a decor project that you're working on this holiday season. We'd love to chat with you about that. Perhaps a project you're thinking about tackling in the new year. Give us a call at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. And hey, if you reach out now by phone or community, you might just win everything you need to get a head start on building a patio or walkway next spring. Because from QuickCrete, we're giving away the Walkmaker Building Form Prize Pack worth 80 bucks. Yep, the Walkmaker is a reusable plastic mold in a cobblestone pattern, so it's pretty much a fun, easy, and simple way to make a concrete walkway or a patio. You basically lay down the mold, you fill each portion of the mold with a bag of QuickCrete crack-resistant concrete mix, 
trial the finish, remove the mold, and you're good to go. You can even uh, use a stain to color them. QuickRead has some products that do that, so you can pretty much have this come out any way you would like. Just one of the great products from our friends at QuickRead. Going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. The number again is one eight 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 Money Pit. Let's get back to the phones. Martin in North Carolina is on the line with an insulation question. How can we help you? I have a ranch-style house, one-floor ranch. And underneath it, uh, it's cleaned out real good, and we have plastic all around the edges, about a 10-foot roll of plastic. So that leaves the uh, center part uh, still exposed to moisture. Uh, We listen to your program often. My wife tells me that we should have plastic all over the ground underneath the house. Your wife is correct. Yes, you should have a vapor barrier across all that surface. That's what the builders say around here, but I've heard that if you do not allow some moisture, you, your floorboards, in our, in our situations, oak flooring, it will separate and have little cracks. You're never going to have that drive across space, my friend. There's always going to be humidity and moisture that's in the air, but you want to, it's, it, right now you have all the water that's in the soil that's going to come up and add to that humidity. You, you can never dry out that crawl space so much that you'll have any issues with cracked floorboards. Trust me. So, you know, I, I get sometimes, uh, sometimes these, these rumors have, are based in a little bit of truth, but there's just no way you're going to make it that, uh, that tight. So I would get some additional plastic. Uh, visqueen, some plastic sheeting, lay it down so that the entire floor surface, the entire dirt surface is covered. Make sure your vents are, are open, uh, so that the, you will get some air in from the outside, but you're going to get plenty of moisture in that house. You just won't get as much, you won't get so much that it's going to impact uh, the insulation and give you mold problems. Okay. Now you're saying that our vent should be open. Yeah, the vent should be open for about uh, nine or ten months of the year. If you want to close them during, you know, maybe December to January when it's really, really cold, that's okay. But those vents should be open because that lets some of the drier ambient air from the outside get into the crawl space and uh, take away some of the moisture as well. That's what well, we've been have having vents. closed now too long. Then, yeah, yeah. I'm now good, you, you can't you seal it up. Me that. That's a big yep. help. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thank you so much. Well, this is the time of year where every budding industry fortune teller likes to make those predictions for 2018. And, you know, home improvement is no exception. Paint manufacturers, they're out right now telling their picks for color of the year. But here's the funny thing. All of the paint manufacturers, they're all different, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, really... They're a lot different. So first up, Bear. They've announced its first ever color of the year, and it's called In the Moment. It's kind of a bluish-green hue, and I think it really gives everybody the signal to kind of relax and disconnect. And they're saying it creates a serene backdrop to unwind and recharge. And it's actually a beautiful color. Yeah, it's a great looking, great looking walls there. And I'll tell you what, Olympic is out now. This one gets me, Leslie, because their color of the year is, is called Black Magic. But it's and not black ex- at all. Well, they explain it as an often misunderstood neutral. This shade of black aims to contradict the soft grays and bluish pinks that are trending in 2017. I don't think of black as having shades of black. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, everything else you have shades of, but, but black is black. Maybe it's just a guy thing, but I don't see black as having shades. But apparently I'm wrong because Olympic thought it's so important to make black their color of the year. <laughs> well, that you know, it's interesting because when I look at black paint swatches, I see black as, oh, this one has a lot more brown or this one tends to have a lot more blue. I mean, there are certain black paint colors that really do read much more black. And so I think they've made a good choice. Now, the next one is Benjamin Moore, and they've gone completely in the opposite direction. They've picked a color called Caliente. That's their choice for 2018. And it is a strong, radiant, full of energy red hue. I mean, it's really as different as it comes from everybody else. Pretty much. Kind of looks like uh, like the red carpets of red carpet uh, Oscar nights and that sort of thing, right? Oh, yeah. It's a nice red. It's got like a blue base to it. It's very nice. Now, Dunn Edwards is out. They've also electrod uh, a, a greenish, uh, grayish, sort of bluish greenish um paint called the green it's a lot hour of issues. it's like the grade bluish greenish it has dual personalities i think that's probably a good description for it but again i think that's kind of similar to the bear color but maybe just a little bit uh, a little bit darker yeah now glidden also went dark as well they chose a color called deep onyx i mean and that is a black tone as well you know in their press photos they've shown it as like an accent wall and it really is a beautiful shade of black you know they're saying it's just like a little black dress classic it's timeless and that really is true with the black paint color now sherwin williams to wrap it up uh they've got one called oceanside and i love this because this is definitely a beach beach color you know this is sort of a um a really deep green blue kind of a shade that looks like it belongs on a, on a beachside house very versatile color works great with other types of, of trim colors and that sort of thing so i think there's a lot of variation here though and that's what's kind of funny about this color of the year business you got the blues and the greens and the blues and the greens and the grays. You got one brownish, uh, and then you got one that is uh, really sort of beachy more than anything else. But every single paint manufacturer has chosen a different color of the year. What is your favorite color? Have you had some some color disasters? Did you buy some paint off a little color chip and got home, put it on your walls, and didn't work out so well? We'd love to hear about those experiences and take your home improvement or decor questions. So let's get back to the phones. one 888 Pit. Paula in Ohio is on the line. Paula, what can we do for you today? Me and my husband have an older house. It was built like in 1950. And the woodwork through the whole house, it's all interconnected, the door frames, everything. And we want to sell the house. So we're trying to find what would be the best and the cheapest solution to fixing that woodwork without having to replace it all. So what's going on with the woodwork? Uh, is it just worn? Is it is it just heavily painted? I mean, what, what exactly is your problem with your woodwork? Yeah, it's worn. It's like, I think... Somebody that lived there before us had a dog, so oh some of it's been chewed on, and and it's like we would replace. You can't replace parts of it because you can't get the stain to match, and we don't really know what to do to make it look better to get it ready to sell. So, is this molding kind of like fancy molding in terms of uh, if you were to fill in some of the grooves and the digs in it, could you paint it and have it look halfway decent, or do you think you have to replace it? I think some of it we'd have to replace it. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of what you're up against. If it's painted now, you're going to probably want to replace it with a paint grade molding. And um, I think if the areas that are really damaged, you mentioned dog damage, even if it's chewed on, then you may just want to pull that piece off and replace it. But, I mean, a, a coat of paint can do wonders with something like that. I don't know if there's a way to kind of decorate around it, and it would be an awful lot of work to replace all that trim. Certainly a possibility, but it's a big job to pull all that trim off and, and, and replace it. So I think all, all you can really hope to do at this point is to clean it up, 
prime it because that will give you a better paint finish. Um, and then just put a top coat of paint on it and kind of call it a day. Leslie, do you have any other suggestions or do you think that's about it? No, I really think, you know, priming and painting it really is the best solution because once you get into replacing all of the trim work, I mean, first of all, it's a tremendous expense and it's a lot of work and you end up cutting and mitering and it can be more complicated, whereas paint is a simple fix for now. At least you can start there and see if it's something that you like and can, you know, live with and work with decor wise. And if not, then you can at least explore the future options. Okay. Great. Did that help you out? That helps me out a lot. All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Hey, building a new walkway or patio with pavers seems like a pretty simple do-it-yourself project, and it is, but it's also really easy to forget all about those super important steps in the beginning, which will really make sure that it lasts. Stick around. We'll tell you how to do it. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What's your how-to or decor question? Call it in right now to 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. They make it fast and easy to find top-rated home pros you can trust for any home project. Bill, you've got the money pit. How can we help you with your flooring project? I bought a house like uh, three uh, years ago, and I, I hired these people to come and, you know, strip my uh, the hardwood floors in my uh, living room, and they never did a, did a good job, and I can I, I could never get a hold of them. And uh, the hardwood, uh, the hardwood uh, squeaks 
I want to redo it. What is the best um, uh, the best way to you know uh, refinish it? Okay, so the issue is that you want them to be to stop squeaking, or you want to refinish it, or kind of both. Stop uh, squeaking. And also, I want to uh, refinish them. Okay, so there's a couple of things that you can do. First of all, because uh, you're doing the refinishing and the repair at the same time, um, that actually makes this a little bit easier. But what you're going to want to do is deal with the squeaking issue first. And the reason that that happens is usually because of movement. If you can identify those sections of the floor that are the loudest, they're probably going to have the most movement. Then simply what you want to do is re-secure those floorboards to the floor. So you can do that with nails. If you nail through the hardwood board into the floor joist below at a slight angle with a nail that's kind of rough, like a galvanized nail, you're going to have to pilot that hole first, put a small drill hole in first, and then drill nail right through the hole because you can't nail hardwood directly. The nail will bend, the board will split. In ones that are really leak, you can actually use a trim screw, which is a long, thin screw with a tiny head, and it's a little bit bigger than a nail. That's even a better way to do it because it, it, the screws are really solid and they won't pull back out again. So I would just... Tighten up the boards as best you can in the loudest areas. You're never going to get them, get them all, so don't try. And then you can have uh, your floor refinishers sand it and refinish it. And I would definitely have the sanding done professionally. I would not do this myself because the tools are very rugged. And if you don't use them every day, you're going to damage your floor. So I would have it completely sanded and then refinished. Does that make sense? Thank you. I uh, appreciate it very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, if you're thinking of installing a new walkway, there are things to consider beyond the prettiest materials, especially if you live in a climate where frost is a problem. That's right. And when soil freezes, it expands and it can lift and even break apart walkways, patios, sidewalks, or driveways. But that won't happen if it's built right. Landscaping contractor Roger Cook from TV's This Old House is here to tell us how. Welcome, Roger. Thanks for having me. Now, when we build a foundation, we're accustomed to digging down below that frost line to make sure the foundation won't move. But with a walkway, it's not always possible to dig down that deep, nor would you want to. How do we keep that from moving? Well, whenever I build a walkway or a driveway or any sort of paving area, I like to go down a foot. I take out 12 inches of material. Usually you get topsoil in the top six to eight inches, but I want to go down and make sure I'm below that topsoil level. Usually the topsoil is brown and it holds moisture. Draining is really the key here. Right. That moisture is what's going to freeze and expand and move your walkway. So we dig down a foot. We usually put in what's called pack, and pack is a combination of stone dust and three-quarter inch stone, and we bring that up in three-inch lifts. In other words, we put down three inches and we take a compactor, pack it down, and keep working our way up. The great thing about pack is it packs up hard. It's a good, great base for the walkway, but it drains. It lets that water get out from underneath the walkway. Now, I know a lot of people talk about when when we're discussing base prep, they talk about the frost line. You want to be below the frost line. How do you know where the frost line is? Is that a visual cue? Is it something you know by region? Or like you mentioned, is it just, okay, I've seen the change in the soil and now I'm good? Below the frost line only pertains to concrete walls and footings for your house. No one is going to dig down here in New England four feet deep for a walkway to get below the frost line. Okay. So that's where picking the material comes into place and how you put the walkway in. I like to do walkways in patios dry, which means there's no mortar and no cement Mm -hmm. involved there, set on the pack on an inch of stone dust, and then the final top piece is put in. If you look put in a concrete walkway, it doesn't, it can't move. It structurally, it cracks. Pavers can move. 
but they're set in stone dust. And if worse comes to worse, they do move too much. You can reset them again by just scraping out a little stone dust and putting them back. You can't do that with a concrete walkway. So does that make pavers a much better choice for a, a harsh climate than compared to, say, concrete? It does in my mind. Up here in New England, mm-hmm. concrete is bound to fail sooner or later. Um, in warmer climates, it's a perfect solution. It's very efficient to go down, cost-effective, and will last forever in areas like Florida. Now, what about sealers once the project is done? Do you think it's a good idea to put some sort of a sealer on a paver? Does that actually help uh, slow down the absorption of water, or does it let the water in and trap it? No, it, it definitely helps keep water from getting in. But what I tell everyone is to take a couple of bricks, seal them first, and see if you like the look, because it's a total different look. It tends to be like the pavers are wet or shiny. Oh, so, it gives it almost a gloss. Right. So make sure you look at some before you do the whole walkway and then decide you don't like the look. Mm-hmm. And there is a reapplication thing. It doesn't, it isn't one application lasts forever. So there is some maintenance involved. It has to be uh, repeated from time to time. Right. Exactly. Good advice. Roger Cook from TV's This Old House. He's a guy that knows how to build it once, build it right, so you really don't have to build it over and over and over again. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. It's my pleasure. All right. You can catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS. For your local listings, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you on PBS by Marvin Windows and Doors. Still ahead, are you short on time this season? Well, we've got one decorating idea that packs the most punch. We'll tell you all about it when the Money Pit returns after this. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, whether you're buying or selling or just enjoying your home, we are here for you every step of the way. You can call in your home improvement or decor question right now to 888-MONEY-PIT. Presented by Home Advisor, the fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project, whether it's a small repair or a major remodel. What about you, Leslie? As we get down to the end of the year here, are you doing any small repairs or major remodels in your house? Uh, I am anxiously awaiting my new American Standard toilet that will make sure that my bathroom no longer smells like a urinal at the Port Authority, <laughs> thanks to my two uh, wonderful young men that I'm raising in this house who can't seem to find where the toilet actually is ah, when it's time to use the bathroom. It's an accuracy issue, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of issues. You got one of the Vortex <laughs> toilets, right? That's the, the ones that are pretty much a self-cleaning toilet. Yeah, American Standard very nicely sent me a Vormax toilet, which, you know, I guess they've heard me complaining about my messy children. So, Tom, <laughs> you're going to come help me install this. And I am. Hopefully Absolutely. We'll get it done. I will have a fresh smelling powder room because it, it can't get worse. <laughs> 888-666-3974. Let's get back to the phones. Leslie, who's next? Jeannie in Ohio's on the line with a crud question. What is going on at your money pit? My friend, um, I'm afraid that her... It seems like her apartment may be making her sick. Well, what are you seeing? She has central air. She has COPD. Two weeks after they change a filter, if they get around to it, um, they're dirty again. And she's been, like, vacuuming them off and wiping around them with bleach water and stuff like that. And she said out of the vents also, there's, like, a brown something or the other. that she doesn't know what it is, and I don't 
I don't know. She doesn't know if it might be mold. She has an apartment or she has a house? What, is, what kind of a place is it? Um, One-bedroom apartment. She lives with her son. She's in her late 50s, and he's in his early 30s. Right, and it's a forced air heating and cooling system, so it's gas-fired or what? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, um, the landlord needs to address this. And what I would tell you to do first would be to have somebody look at the duct system and, and really look at the apartment for sources of mold. The problem is that landlords aren't motivated to find mold because that means they got to fix it up. But a, a good mold inspector could detect it. It's hard to figure out what's coming out of these ducts. And, and certainly the filter needs to be changed on a regular basis. And if you have a better quality filter, this filter comes with a wide range of qualities. But if you have a good quality filter, that's going to do a pretty good job of trapping most of this. But you shouldn't be seeing a constant source of substance coming out of those ducts unless, you know, they're dirty and need to be cleaned. So that's kind of one thing that comes to mind. You say that the house might be making her sick. Does she get better when she leaves the place or does she just not leave it? Is she there all the time? It seems, well, she's been in the hospital a couple of times with bronchitis and, and other kinds of stuff that are breathing. Um, I think I told you she has COPD. Well, no, obviously there could be a lot of things that are causing um, her distress, but I think eliminating the apartment as one of them would at least make her feel better. I would have it inspected thoroughly by perhaps a home inspector or a mold professional to look for signs of it because there are a lot of different places in a house where air quality can be impacted, you know, Carpets can hide dust mites and allergens and, um, you know, different types of molds can form under appliances. There's just a lot of places. And so if you really suspect that there could be something of the mold nature going on there, I would have it inspected by a pro and figure out, um, you know, what's there. Yeah, she she talked about like an air purifier, but I said if your system is dirty... I'm afraid it would fight each other. Yeah, listen, you don't want to go you don't want to go that way. You don't want to add more filtration to this. I want you to inspect and determine if there's a problem that exists, then you can talk about the best way to clean it. So, don't, you know, keep throwing money out of this. Get the information, figure out what's going on or maybe not going on and then you can put your mind to rest. Yes, having a good quality filter in your HVAC uh, system is important. Uh, there's a website, by the way, called FilterEasy.com that I like because you can uh, sign up for a subscription service for filters. They end up being less expensive than uh, than they are uh, in the store. And you just sign up once, and then they'll send you a new filter like on whatever frequency you need, probably every about three months. And when it shows up, you just pop it in. So it'll always be clean. You mentioned that she was always vacuuming. You know, if you don't have a HEPA vacuum, one that is a high-efficiency vacuum, you could be redistributing that dust to the air. So there's just a lot of ways that the air could be contaminated, and you really need to look at this holistically, not just at one duct at a time. Does that make sense? Yeah, the filter, filterwhat.com? Filtereasy.com, filtereasy.com. Yeah, check it out. It's a great way to make sure your filters are always replaced when they should be. Thank you so much. Well, are you short on time and wondering what to decorate? Well, going with the thing guests remember most or certainly see first, your front door is a good step. Yeah, you know, it's really the first thing that your guests see. It's your door and, quite frankly, the whole entryway. And that really does leave a big impression on anybody who comes into your home. Now, you can easily dress up the door for the season with a simple classic Christmas wreath, even silver bells or glass ornaments. You know, traditional is in. It's really fun to go retro. We do the uh, sleigh bell thing. We have the sleigh bells are hanging on the front door 
And, you know, whenever somebody comes or goes, they, they jingle and it reminds us that we're in the season. So it doesn't have to be expensive or complicated either. Yeah, no, I mean, it really is lovely to do that. Now, another easy holiday update is to actually wrap your door in decorative paper. And this is especially popular in a house with kids. If you just crisscross the wrapped door in a wide ribbon, it really resembles a huge gift-wrapped package. Now, don't do this if you don't have any side lights and you can't see out who's the front door or who's there. You know, only do it if you have another way to check out what's going on outside. And once the door is set, you can extend those holiday touches to your entryway, too. You might want to set out some pots that are planted with seasonal greens, or you can add some holiday welcome mats, maybe some vases and dishes full of pine cones or greens. Pretty easy to decorate that front space uh, so that when folks uh, come up to your door, enter right into your foyer, uh, they have a great first impression. Still to come, cork floors are trending and they're eco-friendly too, but are they good for every room? We're going to talk cork floors and bathrooms when the Money Pit continues after this. The Money Pit is brought to you by ADT. Home isn't just a place, it's a feeling. The feeling that you're safe to enjoy the things that matter most. ADT lets you take that feeling with you. Learn more at ADT.com. ADT, home safe home. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question or post it to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. Let's head on over to the community page right now and talk to Annie. Annie has a question about flooring, Leslie, right? Yeah, Annie writes, I'm wondering what your advice would be regarding putting a cork floor in a bathroom. Good choice or should I pass? Now, I truly love a cork floor in a bathroom. I also really like it in a kitchen because it's so soft and comfy. It is really comfy to walk on. I mean, of all of the sort of quote-unquote hard surface products or non-carpet products, cork is the softest and the easiest on the feet. It does last a long time. It's surprisingly durable, too. You'd think that it's soft so that it would wear, but it, it really doesn't. In fact, I remember seeing cork flooring when I toured uh, Falling Water, which is the famous Frank Lloyd Wright house out in Pennsylvania, and he was using that way back when, like what was that, the 60s, in the kitchen. Wow, and he was the super coolest. Absolutely. And uh, he was so far ahead of his time, of course, and it still looked good. Now, the new cork products today, Leslie, what kinds of varieties can we get them in in terms of coloration and that sort of thing? Because usually the corks are, are fairly subtle. True. Now, the colors can be very subtle, but I've also seen them recently with flecks of metallic in the cork itself. So you can get a cork in a very neutral tone, and that varies between like a super lightish color to a more deep brownish tone. I mean, they do tend to stay in that very natural color palette. I've also seen a gray with like a silvery fleck, and I just think it's gorgeous because it adds a whole nother detail and level to a floor surface, which sometimes is the largest surface in a room. So it's nice to make that a little interesting. So thumbs up, Annie. We think it's a great choice. And uh, go ahead and go for it. All right. Next up, we have a post here from Rob who writes, My garage is heated by a furnace. When the snow melts off the vehicles, the water pools in the front corner of the garage and doesn't dry. Over time, the water is soaked into the block that makes up the exterior wall. There's a drain in the floor, but the water seems to go everywhere except towards it. How do I fix the floor so that the water runs to the drain? You know, re-sloping your garage floor is a really big project <laughs> because you pretty much need to tear it out and re-pour it. It's not the kind of thing that you can really repair. So 
I would suggest perhaps painting the floor and the bottommost block walls with an epoxy garage paint. That's going to greatly reduce the absorption of water, and it's going to inhibit the frost damage that you're concerned about, which could occur if it goes kind of unchecked. You might also want to think about maybe raising that floor up again, but not by adding more concrete. What you could do is, have you seen these garage floor tiles, Leslie? They're pretty thick. Oh, yeah. And um, and they're perforated, and you can basically, t- they, they go together kind of like a, a puzzle piece, right? Uh, and they have uh, like a lip, so it goes down sort of the grade at the end. But they're kind of nice. They're, they're, they're sit- they sit just above the floor, maybe about, I don't know, half to three quarters of an inch. And I think if you had any water that dripped off, it would definitely be below that tile. So that's another option for you there. Take a look at the garage floor tiles. And Rob, you know, another option is you can use an epoxy coating on the floor. Now, this isn't going to help you with the leveling issues, but it will help you with sealing that surface. Because don't forget, with all that snow, you're probably driving over a lot of salt. And all of those materials in the salts are very corrosive to the concrete floor in your garage. And so when you bring that in and that salty water all melts from the snow, I mean, it really could do damage. So that's a great way to make the floor look nice and protect it as well. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this holiday weekend with us. We hope we've given you some tips, advice, some inspiration to take on some projects in your house, either now or in the very near future. If you've got a question couldn't get through today, though, remember, you can call us 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT. And we will call you back the next time we are in the studio. Or you can post your question online with the community page at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 